Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A spiritual home for so many in our nation's capital. The Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Join Boyd Matheson as he hosts lawmakers, Washington VIPs, and members of the church. This week, special broadcasts of Inside Sources, live from the open house of the D.C. Temple. We're continuing our live coverage from our nation's capital as uh, we round out the week this week and look at the uh, many things that have been taking place. Uh, If you missed any part of the program today, you definitely want to go and pick up the podcasts. Uh, Those will be posted later on today. We've had some extraordinary guests and uh, people from all around the world in terms of uh, diplomats, ambassadors, members of Congress, uh, other dignitaries that have come through. And it's uh, it's so interesting to, to watch that take place at the Washington, D.C. Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It really is a... Uh, come and see uh, feel to it the uh, the tours are really throwing the doors open all the doors in all the rooms uh, inside the temple uh, have been opened up and as they take those tours through it's just very interesting to to watch the the perspective and the response the reaction uh, that people have and and i think the word that i heard most uh, over the course of the last several days at the washington dc temple uh, is peace uh, peace has really been the the overwhelming and the overriding sentiment uh, that people come away uh, from that experience with. Uh, and and I think that's uh, just an interesting component to all of this is, is we do live in a world where we're lacking peace in so many places. Uh, and not just uh, big things on the world stage. It's not just about Ukraine and Russia and what's uh, happening there. It's not just about what's happening in, in certain places in South America or in Africa. Uh, when it comes to peace, there's there's also so many, far too many, uh, deaths of despair right here in our own country and right in our own neighborhoods. And that kind of lack of peace, uh, I think, is also a major challenge that we have to have a different kind of conversation about. And that was also one of the things that I've noted here in Washington, D.C., is that it does change the conversation uh, when you start from a place of peace rather than from a place of partisanship or politics uh it's it just is a very different conversation and it's it's sad to me that our politics and our policy discussions have devolved in, into such tribal uh arguments uh and discussions uh was chatting today with senator ben sass from nebraska uh inside the capitol uh and we were both sort of lamenting the fact that 
so many things have become so tribal that even the committee hearings, which are supposed to be these great spaces for deliberation and contemplation, uh, even for some silence uh, that uh, we often don't see or hear in our nation's capital. Uh, and that we have to get back to that. If we really want to restore the confidence of the American people and the institutions of government, we, we have to have a place to do that. Senator Sass told me today uh, that it's discouraging to see uh, how many members of Congress, both sides of the aisle, have taken this uh, once proud institution of Congress and turned it into a platform uh, for their own popularity, for their own political campaigns, for their own fundraising efforts. And so everything has become performative uh, rather than informative. Uh, and instructive. And when you, all you have is members of Congress trying to outperform the others so they can get the most clicks, the most likes, the most searches, the most donations to their campaign coffers, uh, we've lost the, the core element in terms of what this should all be about. Earlier on in the program today, uh, as we were having our conversation with other D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who has led a number of members of Congress on tours uh, of that uh, building in Washington, D.C., we, we talked about this idea that, that you do have to have a society that has morals, that has values, uh, that has faith if you want to have a democracy that's really going to last. If you want a constitutional republic, you've, you've got to have both components of government has to do its job uh, and primarily to protect the, those rights which uh, are given uh, to everyone. And then to have citizens who, who have that uh, morality, who have that commitment to uh, follow the rule of law and to have compassion for neighbor and fellow traveler and to build civil society. Uh, it's one of the unique things of our constitutional republic that has enabled it to not just survive but to thrive and flourish and to really be a, a light to the world in many ways. Not perfect. Yes, we have so many problems we need to fix and solve and, and things we need to improve and live up to the principles we profess to believe even more. But it takes a, a people uh, that has virtue, that is committed to doing good, to making a difference, not because government says you have to, uh, but because it's our, our natural desires. And bringing those things together has been one of the fascinating things for me during the course of uh, this open house week here at the Washington, D.C. Temple uh, that uh, so many are, are thinking on those things. Uh, the, the local community, really interesting, is I've had the opportunity to, to wander around and talk to some of those that are living in and around that are the neighbors of the temple. Uh, they've become very protective of it. It's, it's theirs. Uh, and so many people, everyone you talk to, uh, whether it's the Uber driver uh, or the person at the front desk at the hotel, uh, everyone has a story about you know going to or seeing uh, the Washington, D.C. Temple, whether that's when it's lit up at night, whether it's when they're stuck in traffic on the freeway, uh, whether it's when they're listening to their radio station and getting a traffic report and those coordinates are always uh, tied to the temple uh, and uh, where things are backing up or moving forward. Uh, to those that live right next to the temple uh, that uh, are part of this community, and that's been an interesting thing to see, just how people have come together from all faith and from no faith at all 
to to come and see something that's really interesting and really extraordinary. Uh, and I think that's uh, part of the allure of this oppor- this unique opportunity. Forty eight years after the temple was originally dedicated in 1974, uh, to now have an opportunity for those people who for years and years have watched it, have seen it from the outside, uh, to now be able to go in uh, and experience that for themselves is is really an amazing thing. It's been part of many fascinating stories and very interesting conversations uh, as we've been here in our nation's capital. And, of course, we're going to continue to watch all the other things that are going on in our nation's capital uh, right into inside. Uh, John Curtis joined us uh, as he was getting ready to step onto the floor to cast a vote in the House of Representatives, shared some of his uh, thoughts and experience when he went to the temple with many of his colleagues from the House uh, who went through a tour yesterday. Uh, And so all of those are just very interesting things uh, that we've learned and seen, uh, again, from so many different faith traditions and uh, from so many different walks of life. Uh, But it, it reminds me that there is place and space for all of us uh, we're going to continue to break that down, and we'll continue to broadcast as we round out our day today here live from Washington, D.C. We'll go ahead and step aside for one last commercial break. We'll come back some final thoughts from Washington, D.C. and our experience at the open house of the Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.